Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Podcast. I'm Andrew Mearns here with Kunj, and we are ready to go into some spring training fake baseball, I guess. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Going to watch some, well, maybe not watch some spring training games because <laughs> not all these are televised. <laughs> God, just just put it, just put it, set up a camera and a tripod. That's all you yeah. need to do. Just have somebody go press record. I'll yeah. go do it. <laughs> okay, maybe not because I don't want to go to Florida right now, but somebody will go do it. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'll get into this more in a little bit, but we figured we'd start off today's podcast with news that actually broke shortly after our last podcast was completed. We talked about possibility of Brett Gardner maybe not coming back last time, but of course we admitted that in the end, he probably was going to come back. And sure enough, that is exactly what happened. The Yankees re-signed him about two days after we recorded and he's back for 2021 and maybe 2022 too. Yeah, it's an interesting contract, but, you know, obviously they're doing some luxury tax threshold games and just having fun with it. So whatever, let them have fun. But yep. bringing Brett Garner back, is a, it's, a, it's a solid move. I mean, we talked about it before, like, you know, how we wouldn't be opposed to the move as long as he's not here to take away playing time from Clint Frazier, which all signs point towards he's not going to be doing that. So happy to have him back. Right, yeah. It seems like Aaron Boone's pretty set on going into the season with Clint Frazier as a starter. And that's what you got to do. And I think maybe the biggest concern is that this changes come postseason time, but Hey, we got a long time to go to get until then. And also the Yankees have to make the postseason. They probably will, but you know, let's uh, let's get their first hope that too many outfielders fall by the wayside down the road. But that's the main reason why Brett Gardner is there. Cause you know, odds are good that between Aaron judge and Aaron Hicks, one of them is going to miss some time at some point. You're probably going to be glad they have uh, a Brett Gardner around to take more of the playing time than like a Mike Talkman or Greg Allen or someone else in the minors. Yeah, definitely. And like, obviously right now, you know, there's really nothing Aaron Boone can do besides say either the right thing or the wrong thing. But so far he's saying the right thing. Obviously I'm still not fully convinced that come like the first week of April, if Clint Harvey, uh, Clint Harvey, where the hell am I thinking? Clint Harvey, Clint <laughs> Frazier strikes out, then, you know, he's just all of a sudden going to be benched for the next 10 days. So let's just see how long or short of a leash he has. Cause he still needs also the ability to work through any potential slumps or anything like that. But, Absolutely. So, yeah. but at least for right now, Boone is saying the right things, which is all we can ask for at this moment in time. Yeah. And I think it definitely helps that it's pretty evident. Gardner and Frazier have a pretty good working relationship too. They do generally like, root for each other and really want the best. So I think we're not going to get a situation, I think, where like Jorge Posada, when he pitched a fit about, you know, DHing and batting ninth and losing playing time in his last season, 
but yeah. no, I think I think they'll yeah they they definitely do seem to have a good relationship as long as Brett Gardner stays away from uh, Frazier's mock turtlenecks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> if if he keeps taking those, then you know all bets are off. But besides that, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that is important to remember is that Gardner's still relatively good hitter you know the last two years his ops plus has been about 112 110 yeah 115 that's the actual number so that's a pretty good guy to have riding your bench or playing fourth outfield and backing up you know so yeah and and it's even like what we talked about last postseason like it was hard to completely even be mad about Gardner playing because like he didn't play poorly or he didn't it was not like Gardner wasn't hitting and they were just like forcing him into the lineup Gardner still did the fine job he did hit well in the postseason so it was but it was just still weird. <laughs> yeah, that's the main crux of it. We just don't want Frazier's development to be hindered further by right. Gardner playing too much over him. But I, as we talked about, we think that they're going to get a good handle on it, and we'll see how this all plays out over the course of the next couple months anyway. And so yeah, hopefully they avoid injuries that, as well. Yeah, it's just one of those things that, you know, time is just going to dictate exactly how everything goes. <laughs> right. So that's the Gardner news. Not a lot to report there, but uh, we got some actual spring training games that started on uh, Sunday. So that was nice to actually get a little bit of baseball again, even if it's like fake spring training baseball where they're not playing the nine full innings, but it's also not a big deal because the people playing in the eighth and ninth innings of these spring training games are usually guys who are not making the team anyway. Uh, All due respect to Trey M. Burgi, but I'm probably not really (laughs) thinking about you. I'm always thinking about you, Trey. Yeah, well, I, I, I can only speak for myself, not Kunj. Kunj is always <laughs> thinking about Trey Ambergy. He loves Trey Ambergy. Yeah. Notice how I uh, purposely didn't say his last name because I knew I was going to butcher it. So I just stuck with Trey. It's not that we're on a first name basis. It's just that I don't trust myself saying your last name. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, it's definitely just nice. It's always like, you know, it's just fun. Like even when pitchers and catchers report, that's just always like a fun thing for baseball fans. It's, you know, we get those hazy pictures that we talked about the last time up, I think. So it, it's just fun. And then, you know, once you get to see actual games going, whether or not they're real or better or whatever, it's just exciting. It gives us something to look forward to. It's We know that this all happening means that real baseball's on its way. It's not too far behind. Yeah. And, you know, you get, a, you get a glimpse of the players who you've been waiting all winter to see, plus new new additions to the team. So it's just fun, except for when, you know, Corey Kluber is going to start his first game as a Yankee and it's not going to be televised anywhere. But, you know, we won't get into this, the details, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's annoying. Like, yeah, we're recording this on Wednesday and tonight's game against uh, the Blue Jays. I think it's it's in Tampa, but it's not being recorded at all. I guess. Yes, was no, never going to produce this one since it's coinciding with a Nets game. But still, there are other avenues to broadcast your games and have it be low budget and have it just be good for fans. But why bother? <laughs> literally just go on facebook live or twitter live or instagram live or snapchat live whatever has a live i don't know if snapchat live is a thing it's probably a good thing if it's not but that's besides the point (laughs) here's what you do you get tyler wade because i don't really care what he's doing have him put the game on his instagram live and then just have him sit in the dugout prop it up honestly he could even go out in the field just have it you know have one of the other triple a people hold it Or tripod, that's yeah. what tripods are for. He doesn't even need a person to hold it. That's true. Every once in a while, he could just you could just turn it around, selfie, show us his handsome face, and then go back to the game. Yeah, you know, we figured it Asbury out. Here. <laughs> yeah, I will be writing to Rob Manfred right now. Hey, make this happen. Yeah, it's it's also just a bummer that we're not even getting radio on this one. Like I know that obviously that might be pursuant to whatever John and Susan's schedules are, but you know. 
you don't necessarily need them to get to broadcast all the spring training games just to get someone else to do it. I don't know. No. And we've talked about this. Like, I think we, we have the same exact conversation and by we, I don't specifically mean you and me, even though I'm pretty sure we also have the same exact conversation every year, but just baseball fans, Yankees fans, whatever in general, have this conversation every year. You can literally just have interns do it or just somebody who's like trying just who cares. We don't care. Just put it on. Let us see the game. And then yeah, you it's, have whoever talk in the background. You don't even have to have them talk. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun to have the games that are produced just like normal regular season games, but it's not always necessary. You could just show the players. We can follow on MLB.com game day or ESPN or whatever. So we'll know who's pitching and whatever. And, you know, it's a good happy medium, but oh well. Yeah, it, it, it's just never made sense to me. But and like, because like, you don't get this with any other sport. I feel like every other sport, there's preseason games or whatever. You're going to be able to see them on TV. Are they as big a deal or whatever? No. But again, who cares? Yeah. Oh well. Well, yeah. I I guess we'll talk about some players who we have actually seen with our eyeballs on the TV. Talk about some people who've looked good and you know the very large sample size of half a week, but. <laughs> Hey, Gary Sanchez really crushed that dinger, huh? Yeah, I don't think it's landed yet, but I'll let you know once it does. Yeah, that's true. It might actually just be a pop-up and be taking a long time to come. (laughs) Imagine just like all randomly in the middle of tonight's game, a ball just comes down landing out of nowhere. Yes. Like, oh, I guess... I guess it was just a single, but mm-hmm. there's a there's a great uh, Negro Leagues urban legend about that with uh, Josh Gibson hitting a home run that just never came down until the next day. Oh, yeah. Then the umpire calls him out. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no. Gary's looked good so far. Um, what I really liked, obviously, I think uh, I forgot who wrote about it, but just having Gary work with Garrett Cole again is a good idea, even if like long term that's not going to be the thing that happens. But just there's no reason not to start it off start off that way. And even so, like, just, you know, Higashioka could get hurt, too. So you want to be able to make sure Gary can catch Cole whatever, whenever a net needs to happen. But I like that after Cole's outing, Cole came out and said, like, you know, he liked Gary making, like, two nice blocks in the dirt or whatever for him. And then even uh, Jamison Tyon right after, who took over for, who pitched the second inning of that game, complimented Gary in his work effort and his just, you know, paying attention to what he's doing and just helping him guide him through that inning. So I like that. I like, because, you know, we still have to deal with that Gary is lazy, dumbass narrative. Yeah. So it's just good to see, you know, the players, at least his teammates, try and fight it, even though, you know, we'll never be able to convince Johnny Everyday fan that the lazy narrative is just stupid. Yeah, that was uh, Tom who wrote that article the other day, and we'll link to that in the article that we do at the podcast. But it's just a it's just a good, sensible idea. You want Garrett to get experience with Garrett Cole, and you probably want to go into the season assuming that anyway, and then adapt as needed if you if it's absolutely just not working. Because I do understand that pitchers have a comfort level with catchers, and if something's really not clicking, then fine, maybe you make a switch. But remember, the 2020 season, and I made this point on Twitter the other day through the Pinstrip Alley feed, The 2020 season was not a real season. This was two months, and it was eight starts, I think, for Higgy, nine starts for Gary. And I don't know if we can base the next few years of Yankees baseball and catching Garrett Cole on a couple months of action. That doesn't seem like there's enough behind it to me. I think Garrett Cole did end up working well with Higgy, but I'd like to see a little bit more experience of him with Gary and try to make that work before you absolutely give up on it. No, definitely. And um, 
thanks for letting me know who wrote it because I actually just went back and pulled up the article. It feels easier to find when I knew who wrote it. Yeah. But um, no, what Tom points out is, which is a good thing, is that Cole's pitch, pitch mix or anything like that didn't change with Higoshioka. It's not like Higoshioka was calling a different game than Gary was. It just, you know, obviously it worked better. And yeah, there could be some sort of like confidence or whatever going into it. But you also got to remember like pitchers will go through slumps at any point too. Like, you know, even the best of us will have a few bad games. And on top of that, the opponents uh, Cole was facing after they, you know, decided to make Higashioka his catcher was a, definitely an easier schedule that he faced. So there's a whole lot of factors going into it rather than just Gary bad. But we, we don't look at that. We just want to look at the big thing and just say, hey, you know, Gary's bad. Let's take him out. Not right. We, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it definitely helps that Garrett Hole is willing to work with Gary and try to find a rhythm and make it so that they don't have to adapt to always throwing Higgy out there whenever Cole is pitching, because that's losing a weapon in the lineup when Gary's going well. So Yeah, because even if you say, oh, you could have uh, Gary DH that the days Higashioka or Higgy's catching, yeah, that's fine. But then you're potentially taking Staten out of the lineup if you're letting Gary DH, or if you're putting Staten in there, you're taking maybe a judge out, or if, and if you're putting Staten in the field every once in a while, you you're maybe taking Judge out or Frazier out or wh- however that works. So you're definitely reducing the firepower of the offense whenever you're putting Higgy's bat in there. Yeah. Uh, we interrupt this broadcast for breaking news. Uh, actually, I just saw on Twitter. Uh, apparently, Aaron Boone is taking an immediate medical leave of absence to get a pacemaker. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, hope it- yeah. Thoughts to him. Hope everything turns out okay, but that doesn't sound good. <laughs> No, uh, and there's not much that we can really offer in here, but, you know, just sending our best wishes to Aaron Boone and his family there, because that's scary. That's absolutely scary, but hopefully he can get whatever he needs to figured out and, you know, forget about getting back on the field. It's just more sure, make sure he's healthy and make sure everything's okay for him. Exactly. Moving on from Boone in the, in the meantime, since there's not much we can do to discuss it, we'll go back to the spring training talk. Clark Schmidt had the elbow strain and he will be spending some time on the shelf too. He won't probably not end up being in the rotation mix for opening day. It seemed like it was probably a bit of a long shot anyway. And like Debbie Garcia would have probably had a leg up on him regardless, but either way, doesn't sound like we'll be seeing much of him until uh, maybe even the triple A season starts, which is also going to be delayed from April to May now. Yeah, I mean, the good news with Schmidt is that there's no UCL damage and doesn't look like he's going for Tommy John or anything like that, at least as of right now, because God knows what the Yankees and their injury history, we say that right now, and then three weeks later, he'll be missing all of the 2022 season or something like that. But for right now, at least it doesn't seem like it's anything too crazy. And yeah, like you said, I don't, he was like a dark horse candidate, I think, for the fifth spot in the rotation, at least out of spring training, so... I don't think it affects the Yankees' plans too much specifically. So that's, again, quote-unquote good news. But the most important thing is, again, just get himself healthy, get him back, and hopefully they can figure out you know, what the real timetable is, get him back, and we can see him at some point this year. Yeah, the UCL seems to be okay right now. So, you know, knock on wood for that. But Clark Schmidt is supposed to be a big part of the Yankees' future. He's one of their top pitching prospects, not named Debbie Garcia. And there's a reason that he ended up on all these top 100 prospect lists. So they're going to take it carefully with him and hopefully we'll see him back soon. Well, I'm sure he'll get some time in AAA to tune up a little bit for, before any possible rotation spot opens. But based on what Boone's plan for the pitching this season, it seems like we might end up getting 
a sort of six man staff, mostly probably mostly five, but there might be an opportunity for him to pop up at some point, assuming everything goes okay. Yeah, I mean, if he's healthy, I'd rather see him making starts than Arman, but you know, yeah, that's kind of what the situation is as present. But even if, we say, if we start off with like a six man rotation or not even a traditional one where it's just one through six all the time, but just somebody consistently making spot starts here and there, it looks like right for right now, it'll be between Garcia and Arman to be take that fifth spot or that sixth starters spot. That's a lot of spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically most of the news. Oh, I guess um, actually Jamison Tyon, we could talk about him a little bit. He made his debut and it was only an inning, but it was a really good inning. Yeah. I mean, any, you obviously want to see him longer, but anybody, anytime a pitcher is getting in and out of the inning with seven pitches or six pitches, I forgot what it was. I think it was seven, but seven. Yeah. That's always a good, that's always a good sign. Like, yeah, I'll take that any day of the week. <laughs> yep. Curve looked sharp. Everything looks spot on. And I mean, again, one inning of work is literally all we're talking about, but it's the first inning we've seen a tie on. It's the first inning he's pitched on of any kind after his second Tommy John surgery. So I will take what I can get. So he's the Cy Young favorite, is what you're saying? I think that's confirmed. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He is. He he is just Cy Young now. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he's in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations no, to it, James and Tyon. <laughs> first ballot. No, but it was good because between him and Corey Kluber. They're really going to make or break this team as far as how far they can go, where the Yankees end up. And a lot of it rides on both of those guys being healthy, performing well. So it's just exciting to see, you know, even if it is just one inning, but at least, you know, he came out of that inning. He looked good. He looked sharp. And that's kind of just what we need to see more of, hopefully. Bingo. Yeah. Pitching Ninja actually also had a good uh, overlay gif of his uh, fastball and curveball from Mm. that one inning, which was actually pretty cool to see. Like the release point was basically identical. And then obviously one just drops and one just, and he got the both of them looking. So it was pretty good. Yeah. And I think he was also shared something about like the difference in the arm slots too. how it's changed from what it was when he was in Pittsburgh. So I will take that too. Seems like everyone can make improvements based on what they were doing in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago. Right, which is just weird to say because like seven years ago, it seemed like Pittsburgh was the place to go to fix your your mechanics and do do everything right. And if they're doing it, you want to copy that. But hey, this is where we are now. <laughs> yeah, Ray Searidge, his philosophy is no more. Turns out that cramming every pitcher into the same philosophy isn't the best idea. They got to be glad to grow themselves too, you know. Yeah, it's about just, you know, hey, this works for you. It doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. But Yeah, right. <laughs> Only other main news, they this also happened shortly after we recorded. The Yankees did announce their full non-roster invitees list, and basically all the names that we expected were still there. And one name that was new was uh, Derek Dietrich, who was apparently signed a minor league deal and is here on a non-roster invite. And I don't know if he stands any better chance of making the team than Jay Bruce, but he's in there now. Again, sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> we're talking about just potentially who could come in and help. I mean, obviously just let them both play it out and see whatever happens. I will say like Derek Dietrich looks nothing like what I would imagine a person named Derek Dietrich would look like. I don't know what commentary that actually provides or how useful that is, but I just wanted to share that because every time I see a picture of him, I think you don't look like a Derek Dietrich. It is funny to see him just look comedically yoked. It's just, like, <laughs> it's like a lesser version of Matt Holiday. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Just hopefully he doesn't get Epstein Barr or whatever. <laughs> yeah, please stay away from all viruses, Derek Dietrich. Thank you. Stay away from just Oakland. Matt, Matt Holiday is permanently banned from there too. 
Yeah, but I mean, he's he's a guy who has some pop. 2019 was a big surprise when he hit 19 homers for the Reds after basically the Marlins cut him loose. The funny thing is that like in terms of the weighted season, because homers were just going out of plenty in 2019, it was actually only about a 99 OPS plus that year. It did step up in his 25 game stint with the Rangers last year to 118. So I can't really speak to too much about like where he is offensively. He's probably still pretty good, a pretty decent hitter to have as an option. I don't know if he'll stick around in AAA if he doesn't make the team, but if he does, that's not a bad option to have, even though he's kind of defensively limited. He can play a bunch of positions in that he has played a bunch of positions, but it's not like he can play them well. Yeah, I mean, and you're talking about a, uh, like, you know, just somebody to come potentially pinch hit off the bench or just whatever, just give somebody a day of rest. So I generally tend to not really get mad at those guys. Like, the people who I generally choose for my hate vessels are like, People who you expect to see on the regular basis who are just bad. Hi, Stephen Drew, talking about you. Mm-hmm. Um, so as long as he doesn't end up in some sort of everyday role, which if he does, it's either because he's just apparently amazing now or obviously injuries happen. So even then it's going to be like annoying. It's going to be annoying, but it's like hard to blame him or get upset even if he does like strike out four times in a game or whatever. Who cares? But if he can provide any sort of, you know, value off of the bench, why not? Right. If, as you said, if we end up in a 2013 situation where he's playing a bunch, then the Yankees will have greater concerns than that. But exactly. Not a bad guy to have around in spring training for sure. Give him a look. If nothing's there. Nothing's there. Who cares? So, yeah, it is what it is. We'll enjoy the muscles while we can. While we can. Yes. He can be the new muscle emoji guy. Yes. Well, uh, you know, because the Yankees are really hurting for players with enormous muscles, right? Yeah. Luke Voigt, Aaron Judge, Stanton, none of them exist anymore. It's yes. all about Derek Dietrich, baby. <laughs> there is no Stanton. There is only Dietrich. <laughs> By the way, Stanton and Dietrich, they played together in Miami for several years. So definitely not Yay. nothing. <laughs> it's definitely a thing. Marlins pals. They can talk Woo. about the home run machine and how Jeffrey Loria sucks. <laughs> Hey, remember that guy? He sucked. Yeah. <laughs> You're <High> right. <laughs> then I imagine there's just awkward silence for like 10 minutes. <laughs> just five minutes later, just one of them goes like, so Loria. Yeah. Oh, sucked, man. Right? <laughs> just on endless loop. Another fun skill that Derek Dietrich has, getting hit by pitches. Did you know oh, this? I did not. Yeah. He has been hit 123 times in his eight-year career. He led the league in 2016 with 24 hit by pitches. And he also got hit 25 times in 2019 with the Reds. Wow. Congratulations. He is second on the active list of most hit by pitches to Anthony Rizzo. So basically the Yankees got Anthony Rizzo, right? Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a lot of pitches to get hit by. Yeah. I don't know. I think he just crowds the plate a lot and he's also a guy who is not afraid to like pimp home runs so i'm sure that right. has something to do with it which is just dumb like if he's trying to play whatever and just gets hit that's one thing but like shut the hell up i yeah. hate that crap <laughs> just shut up anybody who just hits somebody on purpose because like they showed they like freaking got excited about a home just just go home go away yeah, calm down you. here's here's the secret don't do that next time <laughs> yeah don't give up a pitch Genius. Anyway, we talked about Derek Dietrich too long. I think um, unless there's anything else on your mind, we can uh, wrap up. Uh, No, I think that's pretty much it. Looking forward to seeing what comes about in the next few days. Maybe actually getting to see some games, which will be fun. Yes, definitely. So we'll finish off 
as always, with our Yankee and the Mitre of the week. So of this week of, you know, half a week of exhibition games. But, you know, maybe there are some wild cards, too. Who knows? (laughs) This whole three games. Yes. Kunj, who is your Yankee of the week? So my Yankee of the week is going to be Jamison Tyon. Um, Obviously, you know, for everything that we've already discussed, you know, he was great in his one inning of work. Uh, Oh, hell yeah. What inning? (laughs) He's going to win the Cy Young now. It's he's going to win Scion, comeback player of the year, everything and anything. But no, but besides the fact that you know he just had a strong debut on obviously, you know, as much as you can see from seven in uh, seven pitches. But I really liked the quote that he had on uh Sanchez. And thanks to Eric Boland's Twitter, I'm going to read that really quickly. Tyon on Sanchez, he made a really good impression on me because my first few bullpens he wasn't lined up to catch me, but he was sitting right behind the catcher watching every pitch locked in. He's making a really strong effort to get to know me and work with me. Like, it's just helping to, you know, dispel the stupid ass narrative about Gary. And you could see that Gary Sanchez is somebody who puts in the work. And it's nice to see that there, he's being recognized for what he's doing, not just, you know, when he's actually in the games or whatever. It's the fact that he's actually sitting there learning because he knows he has to catch these guys and has to learn what works for them, what doesn't work for them, what they like. So it was just nice to see Tyon acknowledge that publicly. Yeah, despite what a lot of people like to think, Gary does work very hard to try to get to know his pitchers, get to know their rhythms, and try to get them to be the best versions of themselves. And you know, we can criticize certain aspects of Gary's defense, but his preparedness is not one that's fair to criticize at all. And I'm glad that Tyon appreciates that. And I'm also glad that Tyon just seems like a really cool dude, too. Very down-to-earth, and he has a great story behind him surviving cancer. So we really hope that he puts in a great year. Yeah, and I really, I'm really very invested into the Jameson Tyon Garrett Cole friendship because they seem like best friends, and I'm just, I always love a good pair of best friends on the Yankees, like oh yeah, when Didi Gregorius and Starlin Castro. So they want to replace that and you know be the new best friends. I'm okay with kind of what's about to happen here. Exactly. Yeah, they survived Pittsburgh together, so you know, God's yeah. <laughs> we did it. We made it. Who's your Yankee of the week? Uh, I'll just piggyback on that. And my Yankee of the week is going to be Gary Sanchez because holy hell, what a dinger. (laughs) But yeah, he seems to be working well with the pitcher so far. Garrett Cole praised him as we talked about, James and Tyon. And um, like where he started, you know, if you want to get a start from somewhere, but he's starting off on the right foot. So we'll take that. Yeah. And hopefully by the time this podcast airs, Gary's baseball will have landed somewhere. Um, But if not, maybe by the next time we record, it'll land. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw one beat writer. I forget who it was. I think it might have been Brendan Cuddy. But he had said that he, in all these years, he's covered the Yankee spring training. He has never seen anyone homer over the batter's eye in dead center. So, yeah. And Gary did that. So, you know, good work. Gary good. Gary good. I am Gary. We yes. are all Gary. Ah, uh, yes. All right. So who you got for the meet of the week? Not a Yankee specifically, but just kind of, you know, again, harping on what we've already discussed. Uh, but just the fact that, you know, Corey Kluber is about to start a game in like four hours and I can't watch it. So just the lack of every spring training game not being televised in some capacity. Again, yeah. we don't need like the full, full yes production of everything, but just some sort of online stream where you can just go and watch at least, you know, some crappy angle where you just don't need to do even any shifts or whatever. Just keep it one steady camera in the center and just keep it at that would be nice. It would be, wouldn't it? It would be. Seems so simple, and yet. (laughs) Alas, we've reached a conundrum. Now that is a justified Mitra of the Week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on a player for one bad game because, well, <laughs> what else? Uh, but my Mitra of the Week is Michael King. 
he started the uh, spring opener, the the game the Yankees lost to the Blue Jays. Not that anyone really cares about wins and losses, but he just didn't look good at all either. Because the Blue Jays have a lineup, obviously it wasn't their full lineup, but some most, but like for the spring opener is decent chunk of their normal hitters and he got lit up two innings three hits three runs two walks two hit by pitches uh to quote a an esteemed former manager it's not what you want you know right. uh, especially when he talked about you know he'd come to spring a little bit early to work with Aaron Judge and some other hitters who were there about how he should approach and get a better feel of pitching then maybe it was just an off day we all have bad we all have bad days every now and then so hopefully that's all it was but it was a just a minor letdown after getting a little bit excited for what Michael King could have done. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to judge anybody on the first outing of the year and in spring training, especially nonetheless. Yeah. But it's yeah, like you said, it's still not what you wanted. You still, even if the results weren't there, you still wish he would have looked a little sharper and then just you know maybe just needed better execution. But just the fact they kind of just looked all over the place is it's not great for somebody who's potentially going to, you know, help the Yankees out of the bullpen uh, a decent amount this year. But again, let's just see, hopefully next time up and next time out, he can kind of clean it up and kind of show us what he's been working on. Uh, Until then, I shall refer to him as Michael King, more like Michael Jester. (laughs) Roasted. Boom. That's what everyone (laughs) listens for. Sorry to Michael King and his family who are definitely listening. Oh yeah. Michael King, you're Michael (laughs) Jester, shall we say. I have nothing to add. <laughs> I'm just cutting yes. that out. Um, yeah, Michael King, yeah, clean it up a little bit. We have confidence in you. You can do it. Rah, rah, rah. Anyway, um, all right. So I think that'll do it for us on this episode of the Pinstrip Alley podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Merns PSA. Follow Pinstrip Alley at Pinstrip Alley. Follow Kunj at uh, Nowhere because he doesn't want to catch coronavirus from you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to stay locked up in my house. Thank you yes. very much. Yes. Vax me up. Yay. Yeah. Hopefully soon. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. So that'll do it for us. Uh, we'll stay tuned. We'll watch some more spring training baseball. Hopefully no one else gets hurt in the meantime. Best wishes to Aaron Boone. And that'll do it for us. Yeah. Seriously. Get better, Aaron Boone. Yes. Bye, everyone.